Hey, Culture and Conversations family. I'm your host, Jamison Smallwood, and I'm about to make you part of the conversation. Thank you guys for listening to and downloading Culture and Conversations. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast with your listens, with your shares on social media, and just by telling people to check out the show. It really does make a difference. Up next on Culture and Conversations, we want to highlight October as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we're going to be saving the tatas with a good friend of mine, LaDonna Peoples, as LaDonna shares her story and her experience surviving and conquering breast cancer. Up next on Culture and Conversations. Hey guys, this is Jameson Smallwood, and yes, this is Culture and Conversations. I had the idea in October to highlight and bring awareness to breast cancer. Breast cancer is a disease that touches the lives of women and men and also the people who love them. So I had the idea of using my platform to bring awareness to disease so that I could help save the Tatas. And yes, I'm going to say that as often as I can because I think that's one of the best slogans of any disease awareness campaign there is. So I reached out to a couple of people, and one of the people who was gracious enough to come on my podcast was LaDonna Peoples. LaDonna is from Brooks County, and LaDonna decided to stop by Culture and Conversations to share her experiences uh, battling breast cancer, surviving breast cancer, and I like to think conquering breast cancer. I want to read some statistics here before we get to her interview, just so that you guys can have a bit of an understanding about the disease. About one in eight U.S. women, 12.4% will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of her lifetime. Invasive breast cancer is breast cancer that is not a localized tumor, but it is a cancer that has spread to the surrounding breast tissue, and that is what they use to determine if it is, in fact, invasive. In 2018, an estimated 266,120 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in women in the United States, along with 63,960 new cases of non-invasive breast cancer. About 2,550 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in men in 2018. A man's lifetime risk of breast cancer is about 1 in 1,000. Probably the most famous diagnosis of breast cancer in a man that I'm aware of is Richard Roundtree, who is Shaft. Uh, He played Shaft back in the 70s. He was diagnosed with breast cancer, and he is a very vocal advocate for breast cancer awareness in men as well as in women. Uh, I actually take a medication to help with my hormone levels, and this medication that I take is designed to help suppress my estrogen production and boost my testosterone production. This medication that I take is actually one of the medications that is prescribed to some women who are battling breast cancer because, as I learned from talking with LaDonna, some breast cancers are actually fueled by estrogen. And they give this particular medication and some treatments to help reduce the amount of estrogen that is in a woman's body so that it it doesn't fuel the cancer. Breast cancer is something that is a disease that has touched my family. I lost my Aunt Doris. Uh, Her name was Doris Butts, but most people growing up knew her as Doris Smallwood, and I lost her to breast cancer. I lost other family members to various forms of cancer. 
So if as much as I can make a difference with this episode, hopefully um, some women will listen to this and will you know make sure that they get themselves looked at and checked and not forego their annual examination. One things one of the things that came up in this episode that I want to make sure that I highlight again is that if you have any type of thing that you notice about your body that has changed, anything that you notice is going on with yourself, whether you notice a lump, whether you notice uh, that you don't feel good, things are changing with your body, and you go to the doctor and you have the hunch that, hey, I need to get an examination of some kind, maybe it's a mammogram, maybe it's blood work, whatever it is, go ahead and do it, even if the doctor tells you, hey, you don't need that, that's not what it is. You know, at the end of the day, diagnostic tests are the way that doctors go about diagnosing different issues that we have. And those things oftentimes are the ones that we don't want to pay for because we think, oh, well, we don't have it. But those tests are so vital to us understanding our bodies and catching diseases such as cancer early. So I want to make sure I just encourage people to do that. I just want to share those statistics and hopefully that helps people understand exactly what's going on with cancer in the population and also it gives some context to why this is such an important topic so up next on culture and conversations i sit down and chat with ladonna peoples and she shares her wonderful story and her you know very honest and transparent story about her battle and her victory over breast cancer up next on culture and conversations hey culture and conversations family october is breast cancer awareness month and one of the things about breast cancer that amazes me and at the same time concerns me is that there are just so many people that I personally know who have been affected by breast cancer. And I just want to do an episode this month to help raise awareness for breast cancer and also to pay tribute to people who have lost their life to the disease, but also acknowledge the awesomeness of the people who have actually survived and beat cancer. So I reached out to a couple people on my timeline and one of the people that responded and was willing to come on Culture and Conversations to share her experience and to be part of the conversation was my friend LaDonna Peoples. And uh, I just want to welcome LaDonna to the conversation. What's going on, LaDonna? How are you doing? Thank you, Jameson. I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Cool, cool, cool. I've had you on my podcast before talking about uh, Kanye West. And uh, <laughs> so this conversation won't be as controversial at all, I promise. Yeah, don't get me started back on time. As we change the subject right now. so. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really glad to be here and I'm glad that you're doing this. Um, cancer is affecting so many people every day. Um, a lot of people are afraid to talk about their experience. Um, but I feel like the more people who know and know what to look for, um, the better chance of survival. And the more open you are, the better it is for those people who are starting that journey. So like I said, I'm glad to be here. And if there are any questions, you can feel free to give my number to anyone. Oh, wow. Wow. So we, uh, we will definitely uh, make your contact information available. I don't know if we're going to give them your phone number because that can get crazy. We can give them your, your email address and your Facebook profile and all that stuff. That's fine. And then you can give them your number if you want to. So, 
so Ladone, let me ask you this first question as we start our conversation. Take me back to before your diagnosis. What were you doing in life and what was going on in the life of LaDonna? Okay, so I had just finished uh, my specialist degree. Um, I was 29, uh, getting ready to start um, a doctorate. And so actually I had taken a class or two and I um, was doing very well. I had moved back to the Valdosta area. I had a three-year-old. Um, life was good. Um, I started having some issues, like almost like hormonal issues where, you know, I would have to go buy a new bra. I mean, like bra size, totally different. Okay. And Victoria's Secret excited. <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, the next couple weeks, they're gone. So I'm like, something is not right. So I started going to the doctor and they told me, you know, I'm getting older, which I was only, you know, like I said, 29, 30, um, getting older, that type of thing happens where you have these fluctuations in hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, as time went by, a couple months later, I started getting very tired okay. and I was someone who had super energy. I used to work full-time, even pregnant, work full-time, went to grad school full-time, did after-school tutorial, all those things while I was pregnant. And so I'm like, this is just not me. Um, started talking to the doctor. They're like, well, you're getting older again with the older story. Yeah. Um, telling me that maybe I was depressed because I had so much going on wow. doing everything by myself. And I'm like, well, no, I don't feel like that's what it is. I'm like, I got a psychology degree. I think I would, you know, realize if I was having some of those symptoms. And I'm like, I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. So more time went on, I say about three more months went by. I went to my OBGYN. Okay. And um, I had got a, a knot in my breast alone. Mm-hmm. But the lump went away, like it would come and go. Okay. So um, my OBGYN was like, you know, you're really young. They didn't really want to do a mammogram. Um, even though both of my grandmothers had cancer, they felt it, it, it has to be a close member, like a mom and a sister, something like that. Okay. If, before they'll do it before, I think you're like 35 or 30, something like that. Which if I'd have known, I'd have did it myself because it actually came up that it was only going to be like maybe $100, but which is a lot of money. But when you're looking at the amount for cancer stuff, it's, you know, mm-hmm. minimal. So finally, kept going back to the doctor um, between my OBGYN and my, you know, general physician. And I just told my physician, I'm like, this is not right, you know. And so finally, a couple months later, it stopped going away and coming back. It was there. Oh, okay. So from there, the doctor took sent me to the surgeon. Um, it was like beginning of December 2010. Wow. The surgeon um, 
I'll never forget her name was Miss Penny. She was the sweetest little lady. She was a nurse. And um, she ended up telling me after, you know, I was diagnosed that I actually, you know, had it. But went to them. And when I got my results, he came in, she came in, and her nose was red. She was sniffing. I was like, I already know this is not <laughs> some good news. Oh, wow. And, you know, she was, like, tearing up, and she was like, I did not want to tell you this. She was like, you're the same age as my daughter. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm telling her, it's okay. It's okay. And so they told me, you know, I had cancer, and the doctor was like, I knew as soon as I opened you up, but we can't say anything, you know, until we have the results. So it was funny because I was actually on my lunch break, which was probably not the best thing to do. But who wants to wait two weeks to get the results? If you got my results now, I want them. So I had to go back to work, you know, with kids because at the time I was teaching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were like, Miss Peoples, are you okay? I'm like, oh, my allergies are acting up. But, you know, everybody could tell that, you know, I had been crying because, when I stepped out of the office, my best friend, she called me and I could tell she like was on the floor at work, you know, and sniffing and crying. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. And then I had to call my mom and that's when I started crying. I didn't cry until I had to talk to my mom and tell her. Wow. And yeah, it it was, she was like, you know, you believe in God and gave me the whole speech, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, I know, I know. I was like, but I just, I'm, I got to get it out. And once I had that cry, I was okay. Um, so two weeks later, I had a bilateral mastectomy, which is they took two both breasts. And I started the reconstruction process. Okay. Um, I got chemo um, for four months. I tried to take two rounds. I tried to take a round a week. But I lost five pounds the first week. And so they were like, no, we're going to separate them out. And so I went every month. So. Wow. And then they gave me steroids. And I gained like 40 pounds. <laughs> steroids would do that to <laughs> and, you. Uh, yep. Yeah. And I'm like, really? I got to take the steroid. But, you know, I just, it's such a, it was amazing to go to the Perlman Cancer Center, which I love them. To go to the Perlman Cancer Center and be a 30-year-old, well, then I was 31 because I turned um, 31 two, a week after I was told about my diagnosis. And, um, you know, to sit in there with people who were 80 years old taking chemo, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it was very eye-opening to how it it doesn't have an age on it. Okay. And it doesn't have a gender. As most people think it's just women, it doesn't have a gender. No. Um, and I know two women who were maybe two years older than me who died while I was going through that process. And so, you know, and they had kids. So, I mean, it, it is very, it, it's so debilitating, yet, a lot of people don't like to talk about it. And I'm like, that's something we do need to talk about and we need to be a resource for each other and 
and support people who we know and support those kids. Cause I had a three, four year old two four, you know? And so when people can't get up to go to the store or they can't play with their kids or they can't even sit up to read a story to their kids or cook for their kids, you know, people don't think about that part when they look at, Oh, they're taking chemo. Well, not only are they taking chemo, their family is taking chemo. Basically, is taking chemo. Yeah. So Yo, and that's kind of how it went out for me. Well, let me ask you this to go back a little bit to your diagnosis. When they, when they told you you had you know, cancer, did it give you a stage that it was at? What stage did they say it was at? I was actually at that time stage two. Okay. Um, they do it by the size of it and if it had spread. So they tested, um, they tested the lymph nodes under my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the other breast, they tested and it had not went to my lymph nodes, which is a good thing because that means it's kind of like isolated. Sure, they can, they can remove it. I'm just saying, sure, that means they can remove it. Uh, surgically and then they give you some some chemo as sort of a preventative measure to keep it from spreading yes and so my um cancer was actually related to my estrogen which i didn't know that i'm not Mm -hmm. a doctor but i kept telling them every month something is is not right (laughs) something is going on but it was actually they tested me and it was estrogen positive estrogen was feeding the cancer yeah, your um was your estrogen level high? It wasn't high. It was it what's really crazy is even after that I wasn't supposed to be able to have any kids. I took a medication called tamoxifen. Mm-hmm. And tamoxifen really is supposed to make people sterile. In some cases like a very rare chance some people it can be used as a fertility drug, but most people, it shuts down their system. Wow. So I ended up having twins, faith and hope, (laughs) um, right after this whole process. And it was very scary to me. I actually started having panic attacks (laughs) because they kept, yeah, they kept telling me that Basically, you could die because your body is producing so much more estrogen because you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then so all the time I'm panicking, even if, you know, not thinking about it, but subconsciously inside, I'm thinking about, okay, when I go the next time to get my ratings, what is it going to say? And what am I going to do? So, I mean, it, even after chemo was over, cancel, it's still a scare. And there's actually a test that I took called the Oncotype DX test. And that test, because I get them mixed up sometimes, that test tests whether you have a high chance of getting it again. I took the test and they told me within 10 years, I had a very high chance of getting cancer again. However, I did not want to take the tamoxifen because the side effects are horrible. Um, I had night sweats. Um, I ended up having to take uh, like an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication to reduce the 
um, night sweat. And it was almost like someone in menopause, like I could not calm down with the hot flashes and it was just crazy. So I'm like, I don't want to keep taking my body through this. And I was having like mood changes. I was so agitated because my body was like all over the place. Sure. So I chose not to take the medication, but they checked me for like every three months and then it was every six months. And now it's once a year. Um, There was another test I took, which... I really want people to understand the BRCA test. And so the BRCA test is a genetic test to kind of see if it's familial. Okay. So you remember I told you the doctor told me they would have gave me my mammogram if like my sister had it or my mom had it. Well, after I was diagnosed, my mom got cancer. Oh, wow. But because what I went through, they found hers at stage zero. Oh, wow. That's great. And then I had a... Mm-hmm. And then I had an aunt who had it, um, and unfortunately, her spread before they could stop it. Oh. Um, and then, and I really think that goes to doctors, too. Like, if you have a doctor and they're not listening to you, then go to someone who's going to listen. Like, towards the end, she started going to my doctor, my oncologist. And but by that time, they couldn't stop it from spreading. It was like hitting all her major organs. Wow. Um, And that was just last year. So that's still, you know, it's hard because you look at, well, I'm here. But my aunt is not. And she was young. She was very young. All of us were pretty young. Um. Even the the lady, the nurse that I was assigned to through my health insurance, she ended up with a type of cancer while she was helping me through my cancer stuff. Oh, wow. And it's like, you know, it's really crazy the the frequency that you're seeing cancer now. But, you know, my like I said, my mom had it. I had it. My aunt had it. Both of my grandmas had it. But my BRCA test said it's not genetic. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, well, what is it? Yeah, that sounds like a family history thing to me. But it's not, according to blood that, you know, they tested. It's Mm -hmm. not. And if I remember correctly, my grandmother on my mom's side also had it done, and it was not familial. So, yeah, it's it's a mystery. So even if your testing says no, you know, you still have a chance of getting it. It's so important that, you know, we keep a look at something's not right. Something's mm-hmm. not feeling right. The doctor tells you one thing, because I think back to what if I never kept going? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, in a matter of it was about a year and a half, I had stage two. What if I had waited another year mm-hmm. or two, what would have happened? Um, and it's crazy because every time I see my that particular doctor, because I don't live there anymore, but, you know, when I would see him, when I still live there, he's like, I'm so sorry. And after that, every little thing I said, he was testing mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know. It's like the episode of the Cosby show when Olivia was like, I know my body. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, something is not right. Yeah. Um, and so now like when i went through my plastic surgery and stuff the the doctors were so sweet but he would have people call me because he's like do you mind 
because I tried to stay in good spirits because I'm always like, it could be worse than what it is, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and a shout out to Aflac. <laughs> if you don't have Aflac, I would suggest getting Aflac because that really helped me with a lot of my bills. Okay. Um, you know, I was able to, when I was out, even though I was going through a hard time, you know, I lost my hair and all that stuff. I still got to spend time with my kids. One of the best things for my four-year-old at the time, Ava, I was actually able to get parent of the parent of the year in her pre-K. I was home, but I could go for a small amount of time and then I'd come home and go to sleep. I could go volunteer and spend time with her. Had I been working, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So I try to look at the bright part of what was going on and, um, my Ava ended up telling me like after I went through chemo, after she saw the black and blue bruises on my arm, the many, many, many trips to the hospital for reconstruction and um, all of that stuff. One day she was just like, mommy, I don't want my family to die. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, my baby, she is thinking I'm dying. Even though everything was done by the time she got to that part. Mm-hmm. I had to take her, to, I started taking her to therapy because I didn't want her to have a fear that I was going to leave her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if anything happened, I wanted her to know that this was a resource to have um, a counselor, or a therapist, if you need to talk to. So, you know, like I said, it, it just doesn't affect that person. It affects everyone around that person. L- let me ask you this, LaDonna, you know, um, as we sort of head towards wrapping up this conversation, you know, the, the part about you obviously having to get uh, reconstruction done uh, for your breast. How did mm-hmm. you feel about that process as a woman dealing with the change physically in your body of how it looked to the outside world, you know, during the process of happy, of having cancer, you know, there's that mm-hmm. sickness that you're, you're battling and you're trying to overcome those physical issues but then there's also your appearance like you talked about losing your hair and 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 in your breast how did you deal with that part of it you know it's really funny i've always been um what's the word a little different (laughs) so in college when i felt like i was going through something having a major i would shave my head (laughs) but i i would and it it would grow back and i'd be like okay i'm new me okay however there is something about your hair falling out because you're not controlling it. Uh, and I remember standing in the shower the day my hair fell out. It started to tingle. And the first round of cancer, the first round of chemo, it didn't fall out. And so the doctor had said, if, if it's not out by the first or second, you're good. It won't fall out. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to keep my hair. And I was in the shower. It felt like a perm was in my hair. And I saw hair start to kind of like slide out. Mm. And I just immediately broke down like crying. And I called my mom. She was at church. And I'm like, my hair is falling out. She's like, why are you saying that? I'm like, no, it's falling out. I can feel it. But I had already let one of my friends cut it short. Mm-hmm. But it's just the fact that you're not in control of it. Um. And one thing that I didn't want to happen that didn't happen was to get my fingernails turned black from the chemo, but it didn't stay. 
Okay. And I always like that's what made me look sick. It wasn't my hair because I would. Um, South Georgia has a, a program called Look Good, Feel Better, and they give like cancer patients a wig, and you get to do this makeup, and they like make you up and do like a little glam party for you, and you know, so I I just experimented with different wigs and did different things. That didn't bother me. As far as my chest, I know it's different. Like, I don't mind showing people. Like, I work with some people, and one of the ladies was like, well, you know, what's different? And so I showed her because I'm like, if somebody else is going to go through this, I want them to know what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening with me, they took the, um, they put something called expanders in when they do the mastectomy. And what they do with expanders is every week, you go in and you get so much saline put in it. And what they're doing is kind of pushing the muscle out. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had, I first tried to get a tram flap, which is when they take your belly fat and they take a muscle out of your stomach and put the fat into your breast and build that way. Okay. Well, it didn't work because my skin wouldn't heal. So for the longest, I was walking around with a literally a hole. You could look into the hole in my breast. You couldn't see it in, outside of my clothes, mm-hmm. but it was bandaged and there was a hole there. So after a couple of weeks, months, it wasn't weeks, it was months, we ended up taking that out. So they had to do another surgery, take it out and do the implant. Um. And so that was a couple more months of not having, you know, breath. But most people didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Like I would be in the store and someone would say something. I'd be talking about it. Like I would literally have to show them the port. I had a port in my chest because my veins are small and they roll. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they would collapse. So they kept a port in my chest if they needed to access a vein or, or whatever. And, um, so I didn't look like my breasts are not me, you know, um, it was my hair. So it was just a reason for me to go buy a whole bunch of different wigs (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, because you can't wallow and I'm losing this. You have to be positive because if you're not positive to me, I truly feel it weakens your immune system and it's mentally unhealthy to be in a bad spot. And somebody who's going through cancer is going to be in an area already where you're having to continuously go to the doctor. You continuously have to take medicine. So there are bad things to think about. You have to think about the positive things. And so that's what I tried to look at. It was, um, I remember sitting in, um, the chair getting my um, chemo and one of the medications they call the red devil. I think it's andromycin. Um, and the lady was like, I moved my chair. She was like, where's the lady that's always smiling? And it made me feel good because even though I'm in there getting all this stuff done for me, someone noticed that I was trying to have a positive spirit mm-hmm. and that is something that radiates out to other people you know and you you just have to be 
positive wow. and, and try to get yourself in a good spot. Wow. Wow. Well, LaDonna, that is a great story. And how many years have you been cancer free? This is year seven. My oh, wow. daughter's faith and hope will turn six um, November 1st. Oh, so. wow. Wow. Well, I, I will, I will definitely say congratulations to that. And, and I think you, um, I think you've really helped people who will hear this because it gives them an inside perspective into what that disease and that experience is like and what it takes to overcome it. You know, me as a guy, I'm just sort of on the outside looking in, um, not saying that men can't be affected by breast cancer because Richard Roundtree, the, the original shaft, the actor who played the original shaft, he actually had breast cancer and mm -hmm. you know, it affects everybody. And as you said, it's not just something that affects women. It affects women and their families, which we all are a part of. So I just really appreciate you answering my call and, and to, to do this interview and, and just to share this conversation with my audience. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And like I said, if there's someone out there who is starting to have, um, their diagnosis or they're in the process of getting a diagnosis or who has gotten the diagnosis and you just really need someone to talk to, um, feel free to contact me. Um, I do have a, a really open spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you need to talk, I am here. So wow. thank you, Jameson. Uh, no problem. I just want to say real quick, you know, one of the things you heard in this story is that LaDonna went to the doctor and said, hey, this is something that I think you need to take a look at. And the doctor sort of dismissed it. You always want to spend money on diagnostic tests when you see something or observe something in your body or in your health, even if the insurance won't pay for it. Because a lot of times doctors will unfortunately refrain from giving you certain tests because they're trying to keep their insurance costs low or the cost low to the insurance company. So always be an advocate for your health. Um, you've heard that on, on other episodes of culture and conversations and uh, LaDonna's story is just another testimony about taking control of your health and being your own advocate. Because as much as we love the doctors, doctors don't always listen to their patients about things that are going on in their lives. So LaDonna, thank you again, just to, um, you know, for making this time. And I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. I just want to thank LaDonna Peoples for stopping by and being part of the conversation. I've made LaDonna's contact information available, so if you'd like to reach out to LaDonna, you can do so by referencing the show notes of this episode of Culture and Conversations. Well, if you want to reach out to me on the show, you can do so through Facebook, Culture and Conversations. If you'd like to reach out to me on Instagram, culture and conversations is the handle and if you want to send email culture and conversations at gmail.com is the address we are winding down the year guys we're heading into the home stretch i have a lot of great interviews that i'm going to publish a lot of episodes that we're going to release and i just want to thank you guys for rocking with me to this point so as my goddaughter would say my god daddy made this yeah that's right guys you be good out there. And ladies, go get yourselves looked at. Please, please, please. Fellas, encourage your significant others and the women in your life to go get looked at. And help me and them save the tatas. Peace.